0: Hello STEM Nation, Jeff here, and welcome to episode number 3 of STEM on Fire, where we interview practicing professionals in the area of science, technology, engineering, and math. Let's start by thanking our sponsor for today's show, Audible, who's offering a free audiobook at stemonfirebook.com. That's stemonfirebook.com. Check it out. If you're looking for an audiobook to listen to, I would recommend The 7 Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. Let's get fired up with our guest Kayla and I hope our chat will help ignite your passion towards a STEM career. Kayla Carter received her Bachelor of Science degree in Biomedical Engineering from Syracuse University and a Master's degree from Marquette University in Healthcare Technology Management. She spent six years as a Biomedical Systems Engineer at Beckman-Coulter and Patel, where she worked on a variety of new medical device advancements, including Neural Bypass Technology... Assisted devices, diagnostic devices, and a combination of products like dry powder inhalers. She is now pursuing her Ph.D. in engineering education at Purdue University, and she is the founder of Unbounded Genius, designed to expose underrepresented minorities to engineering and entrepreneurship through rapid prototyping. Welcome to the show, Kayla. Take a moment to fill in any gaps and share a bit of your personal life.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Jeff. Um, I'm excited to be here with you all and hope that I am able to answer any questions that you may have about the field of biomedical engineering and being an engineer.
0: Thanks, Kayla. For someone not familiar with biomedical engineering, can you give some examples or career opportunities, and then we'll delve into your area of expertise.
1: Absolutely. So one of the great things about biomedical engineering is there's a lot of avenues you can take. Um, I explored as I was determining which pathway to take for biomedical engineering legal so you can become a lawyer after obtaining your biomedical engineering degree. And that's more around patent attorneys. Um, I also explored becoming a doctor because obviously you can do medical research. Um, you can also take the medical research route without exploring either professional degree. You could do that with a graduate degree um, and you can also do that out of undergrad. And those look more like human study research. So testing new devices on people as well as new drugs on people. Um, the other options are... You can work on medical devices, which is the area that I found myself in um, mostly, and you can also work on implantables. So there's a lot of opportunities for people interested in biomedical engineering to kind of take it in different routes along the way.
0: Thanks for that overview. So let's dig in now into your specific area of expertise and why you chose biomedical engineering.
1: My particular area of expertise is in biomechanics. And that was really focused around how the body interacts with external either devices or drugs. So when I was an undergraduate, we had two tracks for biomedical engineers, and that was mechanical-focused or electrical-focused. The electrical track tend to look at, like, the neural systems of the body. So how does your internal processes either work with drugs or new gene therapies, whereas the mechanic track really focused on, like, building external devices or external systems to support the health of your body. So what I have done for the past seven or eight years at this point is I've worked in um, new product development for medical devices. And I've worked in a variety of arenas from assistive devices um, for patients that are paralyzed to devices that just test your blood and let you know if you have any type of blood disorder or new disease that your doctor is trying to treat
0: why did you choose biomedical engineering over, let's say, mechanical or electrical engineering?
1: So I was really fortunate that I was exposed to engineering at a very young age. My father's an engineer. I have an uncle that's an engineer. I have an aunt that's an engineer. And they're all in different arenas, um, from industrial to electrical. So I kind of had an idea of what engineering looked like at a large scale. Um, For me, biomedical engineering really got introduced my senior year of high school. So my My high school had a really cool program where we got to spend a week with a professional. And I had a teacher that was like, well, how about you, since you care about people, how about you try spending a week at Marquette with their biomedical graduate students? And at the time, the graduate students that I was working with were working with children under the age of eight to create walkers for kids who had cerebral palsy. And now cerebral palsy often deforms how children are able to walk. And so the goal of their research was to find a way that they could run and play with the other kids on the playground using a walker that wasn't really intrusive. And that was like the golden goose for me. Like I was like, that is awesome. Like I can help somebody do something that I got to do as a child. That's where I want to be. So I really got into it because A, I like to help people and B, I got to see the impacts of what I was building immediately through the research route.
0: Well, that, that's fantastic. I mean, that's, and that's really neat that you had a family as well that was full of engineers. So you had some idea of what engineering was like. And that's one reason STEM Nation we're doing this podcast is there's a lot of folks out there that don't have insights into engineering. And we're hoping through these interviews, it'll help uh, ignite your passion towards these STEM careers. So thank you for that, Kayla. When you were working at Patel, could you describe what your typical workday looked like or work week looked like so what a new professional could expect in the real world?
1: yeah so for me my experiences were obviously very different um, at both organizations so I'll start when I've like first started like my first year out of undergrad um, I started working and the program that I was in with my company was a program where I got to visit different departments. Throughout a year kind of rotational program, even though I was a full time employee of the company, I would spend three months in different departments and different cities sometimes, which I highly recommend. Like if you're unsure about what your career is going to look like or what specification like you or how you want to like tailor your career. There are a lot of companies out there. I know like Dow AgroScience has a program similar. Um, SC Johnson has a program similar where they take early career, what they call leaders. This is the goal of like mentoring the new leaders of their company. And they put you on a year rotation your first year in the company. And this year rotation, I spent three months in California. I spent three months in Miami. Um, I got a chance to go to Germany And it just really engrossed, A, what was the business model, and B, where did I see myself fitting? So at that time, a day in my life was I worked on a project team as a member of a large team usually. We had anywhere from 20 to 30 engineers working on this team. And my role on the team was to kind of be the liaison. So we had a set of mechanical engineers. We had a set of electrical engineers and a set of software engineers. And me as the biomed or what what a lot of industry is calling systems engineers, my goal was to get everybody working toward the same like in results. So the goal of that was like I would help create the requirements. I would sit in the meetings with each of them because sometimes when. The mechanical team is talking to the software team. They may be talking about the same thing, but they don't really understand how the two connect. And so I really played that intermediator around like connections and how do we put these pieces together so that we had a working device at the end. As my career kind of developed with my mentors and my boss, I had some really good bosses along the way that helped. It turned into more of a management role where I became more of a project manager. And in that role, my day consisted of of similar things, but I also had opportunities to like get in the lab and do some testing and determine why some things fail because I kind of became like the ultimate troubleshooter to make sure our project stayed on task and was able to get out the door in a timely fashion.
0: So STEM Nation, there's a lot of companies out there that Kayla had touched on about these rotation programs. So you don't have to start a position in a particular group. If you can get into the rotation program within a company and go look around and see what opportunities exist within the company, it's a, it's a very uh, excellent way to go to start your career. And you can also start that with internships. It's very important to get your internships in so you can take a look at what's out there, see what you like, and probably more importantly, what you really don't like. Um, thank you for that, Kayla. So let's get specific here. What is one thing that has you fired up about biomedical engineering and where do you see biomedical engineering headed?
1: I think the biggest thing that has me fired up about it is it's never going anywhere. <laughs> it's this cool thing about healthcare It's like our goal as a healthcare industry is to allow people to have the best quality of their day- life of life they can have for as long as they can have it. And I think that's just totally awesome because I know as I age, like I still want to be able to do the things that I could do when I was younger and I want to be able to enjoy them no matter what health problems I may have. The one biggest thing that I love about the biomed um, industry right now is the advances in technology like with all of the electronics and computer systems and being able now to like embed them inside of people is extremely cool. And so I can only imagine what the future looks like as we continue to progress and understand how these systems can be used to really help the quality of life of everybody.
0: It it sounds like biomedical, if you're interested in, in electronics and mechanical, it sounds like biomedical engineering is a great way to go.
1: Absolutely. And it's a really good place, especially if you kind of have like this healthcare focus. So if you're interested in even just like gene therapy, there's ways that mechanical and electrical can combine into gene therapy. Um, So it's, it's really a versatile arena for you to like figure out what niche you want to be in and really pursue it to its fullest.
0: Hey, Kayla, we're going to change gears here a bit. We're going to move into an aha moment you've had, something that you think might help STEM Nation. Can you take us to a moment in time of an incredible aha moment you've had at work or your personal life and tell us the story and how you turned that aha moment into success?
1: Sure. Um, The aha moment that comes to mind for me was, I think, the first year in this rotational program. I mean, I had internships along the way. While I was in school, I did some unpaid research opportunities with professors that were building either hip implants or knee implants to really get that experience of do do I really like this? This Is this something I'm passionate about? And when I got into the rotational program, we had the opportunity kind of choose our projects, and so we got a huge list of projects and. I mean, I was really green. Like I wasn't really for sure what I liked and what I didn't like. I had done all this work in undergrad and was like, you know, I think I'm kind of here, but I didn't, I didn't really know. And what I found in that program was just trying some things, like really putting myself out there and kind of stretching the bounds of what I was comfortable with. Um, There was a time where There was a project that I wanted to be on and it was really robotics focused and I didn't really have the programming skills to be on this project. Um, I really wanted it because I liked what the team was doing and I wanted the experience of the robotics. But again, my like software coding skills were very basic at that point. And. What I learned in that moment of trying it and connecting with the right people in my in my arena, and that was really ex- more experienced engineers that had the skills or could give me resources so that I could learn and get up to speed really quickly, was that you don't really know what you're good at until you try it. <laughs> like, I turned out that it was like, wow, this came really natural and it wasn't that hard. And, you know, now I work on you know, basic coding projects for myself around websites and those kind of things. And I never, ever thought I was going to like something like that. So it was really like at the advice of my bosses and mentors and, you know, peers of like, just stretch yourself. Like sometimes you're like, oh, I don't know. I haven't had the experience to do that. And just being able to like step a little bit out of that box may open up a new door that you never envisioned seeing yourself in.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. You have to get out of your comfort zone. If you're only doing the things that you're comfortable with, you're never going to grow. And that's a really great story, Kayla. I, I Thank you for that. We're going to transition now into the college world. So something that's front and center on the minds of our STEM nation is getting into college and, and how do you become successful in college? Because these STEM curriculums, they can be very rigorous and very challenging. If you could go back in time, what would you tell your 18-year-old self as you're heading off to college? Some things that you wish you knew back then or even knew back then that would help our STEMers launch into college successfully?
1: Yeah, so my college experience is kind of unique for the STEM world. So I was also a Division One track athlete at the time that I was obtaining. Oh, congratulations. At I
0: didn't realize that.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I was balancing athletics and becoming an engineer at the same time, and so yes, as much as as rigorous as stem curriculums can be, I wish after, before going into school, I understood the importance of my support system, and that wasn't just my parents that was people that I found on campus that ended up being an array of tutors along the way um And even when you don't think you need a tutor, like I had always been a very successful student and there was a lot of times where I was like, I I got this. I don't I don't need that person. But just having someone that you can connect with and say, wow, this thing might be a little bit harder or even just vent sometimes about the challenges that you're going through. I think that was one thing that I just did not recognize the importance of as I was heading off to school. The one thing that I think that went well at that time was I vi- I got to visit a lot of schools, which I know that I was super fortunate to have the opportunity to do that. But with today's technology, you can take like video tours of schools on on your computer, and I think that is so necessary because the last thing you want to do is, regardless of the curriculum, regardless of your major pathway is get to a school that you don't fit culturally, like you don't fit the culture of that school or that school doesn't fit your personality. Because the more comfortable you are in a situation, the better your study habits are going to be, the better you're going to be at managing your time, the more of a support network you're going to be able to build. So just really taking the time to really explore each school beyond just the college that you're looking
0: at—that's great advice. You know, you have to be comfortable with the school that that you're going to. You know, when you're actually taking these tours, take it as you know studying. Actually, maybe take some notes when you're when you get done with the the college tour. Write down what you liked, write down what you didn't like. So when you when you tour all these different schools, you can come back and analyze and go, you know what, that is the right school for me.
1: And I would add to that, Jeff. Much like a job interview, like you're going to these schools to interview them. Like that's your number one priority at this school. So find professors of classes you may want to be taking or advisors that you may want to connect with and really set up a half an hour meeting and interview them about what they're able to provide for you as a support system. Um, Because there were schools that I looked at that were totally confident in supporting me as an engineer, but wasn't sure about supporting me as an athlete and an engineer. So those conversations were really important to have with who was going to be my professors and my advisors and my deans, because those were two goals that were important to me.
0: Now let's turn our attention into what skills or attributes you think are needed for STEMers to be successful as they transition from college into their careers.
1: Well, this is a tough question, um, because I don't think there's one solid answer. I think there's a lot of things that play into that success and being able to work with a lot of early career um, individuals since going through it. They all look slightly different. But I think the one thing that comes to mind is being flexible. Like we all have this dream of what our life should be. And those are awesome. But that road to get there may not be the straight path that you envisioned. So being flexible and allowing yourself the space to develop, because I think sometimes we get rushed and we're like, this should happen to me tomorrow. And we really need that space to like grow in the skills that we have, grow as a person to be mature enough and de- and ready for what that next position should be so just being flexible and then allowing yourself the space
0: to grow thanks kayla yeah you have to be flexible you you can you can have an idea of what you want to do but when you actually start pursuing your your dream your dream job you do have to be flexible out in the real world all right kayla are you writing for the lightning round
1: let's do it
0: all right what is the best piece of advice you've ever received
1: the best piece of advice I've ever received, which is a hard one to sort through, because I've gotten a lot of good nuggets along the way, was when I first started my career, my very first boss asked me how I planned on using my vacation time. And I kind of was like, why, do you, why does that matter to you? I'll use my vacation however I want. <laughs> um, and what he said to me was, really consider going out of the country, And I'm like, why would I like I mean, and I travel. I love to travel. I've been all over the world. So I'm like, I mean, why would he be telling me to go out of the country? And the thing about going out of the country that he was getting at at that time was it allowed you to unplug. The worst thing to do with your vacation time is to be attached to your computer at work answering emails because you do that. And not because it's necessarily bad to be ambitious and focused, but you need that time of self-care to like regroup, reflect, spend time with family. And that's what you should be doing on vacation. Because when you get back, you'll be a much better employee, boss, you know, manager, CEO, whatever position you're in, you'll be better at it. And you'll be better to support the people that need you to support them. So I think by far that has like been the most amazing advice I've ever gotten because I've taken every vacation out of the country somewhere, and people don't expect when you're out of the country for you to answer your phone. <laughs> so it's, it's really given me the space to just like saw and then come back refreshed.
0: That's great advice because when you get very busy with your with your career and your job and you take a vacation, it's, it is very hard to disconnect. I talked to somebody a couple of weeks ago who said this was the first time that they've actually taken a vacation and did not do work, and they came back super refreshed. So take advice, take some time off and disconnect and just, you know, just relax. So what is a personal habit that contributes to your success?
1: I would say figuring out what time management system works best for you. Um, Not even I mean, even through college and early career, time management becomes so critical because you have so many things pulling you in so many different ways. And you're probably really excited and passionate about all of them. So really trying to prioritize what's important in life at that moment in time. And then additionally, being able to manage that time appropriately. And no, I'm not saying by any means that you need a calendar for every hour of your day. But what I am saying is if your job is number two and your family is number one on your priority list of things, you really have to figure out how to keep those things in perspective, even when you're chasing your career dreams. And if they're reversed, that's okay, too. And you figure it out in the opposite way. So one thing that I do is I sit down probably every quarter, so every three to four months, and relook at my priority list and say, okay, these are the things that I said are important to my life in this order. And I usually only have three to five things that are, like, really important to me. And then I try to make sure that as I'm scheduling my days, that those things are align appropriately because if something that's at the end of my priority list is and some days are not that way but within over a week they usually work out to be in proportionate percentages
0: excellent that's that's great advice and i'll tell you that your your system that you use to be productive to manage your time it'll change over over time mine changes all the time i try something out it works or it doesn't work and i adjust and you just Keep on changing it so you can become very, very productive. And if you're writing things down and having a list of what's really important to you and you schedule that on your calendar, at the end of the day, at the end of the week, you're going to feel very um, enthused. You're going to love what you did that week. You're going to go into the weekend with confidence, and you're just going to become super successful. Kayla, what's your favorite internet resource or phone app and why?
1: Um, I have a lot of favorite. I would say internet, you can only
0: have one
1: favorite <laughs> I would say internet resources. I really like blogs. I think blogs are amazing. they're amazing ways to catch up on people. I would say for me right now, honestly, the phone app I use the most is my Kindle <laughs> i any downtime I have, I try to like really immerse myself in a good book um just because it gets you away from either what you're thinking right now, or what you're working on right now and kind of transports you into like another world. And sometimes I come out of that with like some really good ideas about things I was stuck on. So I would say that would be like, my number one used phone app. As far as the internet resource, I think the skim is my favorite at the moment.
0: The skim? Yep, I subscribe to the <laughs> skim as well, so I don't have to watch the news, and I can catch my news in a couple of minutes.
1: Absolutely, and it's a good way to stay abreast in not just your field, but the world, and it's quick, and it's dirty, and I love it.
0: <laughs> well, this next one should be easy for you. What's one book, and one book you recommend?
1: The one book I recommend right now is called The Big Leap by um, Gay Hendricks. And this book is really about getting out of your own way to be successful. Um one thing that we all encounter no matter what stage of life you're in is that we often put limits on what we think we can do. And so this book really challenges the limits that you put in place and makes you think about are they real? Are they not real? And then how what things could you maneuver around to get over that limit? Because really your possibilities are like endless. So really trying to like step to the side and allowing whatever is to be to be.
0: That's that's great advice. I mean, I've taken some training personally where you know you write down your goals. And in, in STEM nation, you you should be writing down your goals. If you want to become a biomedical engineer or an actuary, you should write that down on a piece of paper. Because when you write that goal down, you're much more likely to achieve that goal. And the goals that we typically set as people are usually really achievable goals. And what I've learned over the last you know, number of years is to, to take that goal and maybe 10x it. Because if you hit a 10x goal that you don't think you can achieve and you only achieve 80% of that, you're much further ahead. Kayla, as we wrap up here, can you share a parting piece of guidance for STEM Nation? And then we'll say goodbye.
1: I would say my parting piece of guidance is try as many things as possible. I don't even care if it's just a new food place. Um, The more you experience and the more that you try, most likely you're going to figure out things you don't like, which is equally as important as figuring out things that you like. And so just really allow yourself to explore As many opportunities in in as many different places as possible along the way.
0: All right, Kayla. Hey, thank you for that. And with that, we'll say goodbye. I hope you enjoyed our discussion today with Kayla. She provided tons of value. Head on over to stemonfire.com, subscribe to the email list to keep up with the latest happenings, and be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Tune in next week where we talk with Joe Faff, a vice president of engineering at Husco International. Until next time, I hope this chat has helped ignite your passion towards a STEM career.